the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And, of course, I'm joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation, our co-host, Mark Durkin. And another good evening to you, Rebecca. Yeah. Middle of September already. Where's the time going? I know, and it's been such a beautiful week. I love that hot weather. I know not everybody does, but I do. Let's keep it in the 80s. I know. (laughs) I know. I just am loving every moment of it. Yes. Well, last week, or last month, excuse me, we began a discussion that highlighted the advancement of gender-neutral policies in classrooms across the state of Minnesota. And these policies have come as a result of both the Minnesota Human Rights Act and the Safe and Supportive Minnesota Schools Act, both prohibiting bullying and harassment of students, including students based on gender expression. And according to the Minnesota Department of Education, the creation of the Minnesota Toolkit was compiled to provide information to assist schools in establishing and amending school policies to, as they say, ensure safe, supportive, and welcoming environment for trans and gender nonconforming students. We can all agree that every student deserves the opportunity to pursue a quality education free from discrimination and harassment. Mm-hmm. But has the advancement of these gender-neutral policies shifted policy implementation from local school boards into the hands of the state's Department of Education? Have issues like students' privacy and athletic competition described in the Minnesota Toolkit left the majority of Minnesota's students on the receiving end of harassment and discrimination? Hmm. Well, joining us in studio tonight to address this advancement of gender-neutral policies in Minnesota schools is Renee Carlson. And Renee has a wide variety of legal experience. She began her career as an assistant county attorney in Minnesota, having served in both the civil and criminal divisions. And years following, Renee began her own practice to meet the legal needs of nonprofits and small businesses, as well as ministries, churches, and Christian schools. She's also a founding board member of the North Star Law and Policy Center in Minnesota, which is an alliance of Minnesota attorneys who work to transform law and policy in the state of Minnesota. She's also a Blackstone Legal Fellow and an allied attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, where she has served as legal counsel on recent federal cases. Renee received her B.A. from UCLA and law degree from the University of St. Thomas School of Law. 
Renee, thank you so much for joining us once again here on Education Nation. Well, it's great to be here again with you, Rebecca and Mark. And yeah. I agree, I'm enjoying this warm weather. Yes, <laughs> yes. I know. So, well, we're glad to have you. You're, you're becoming a more regular guest with us. You have so much information and knowledge, and we're happy to have you with us. Well, glad to be here and glad to share with other people because I'm certainly passionate about getting the word out on Yep. how to protect our rights, and mm-hmm. how to be aware of what's going on in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Well, for our listeners who are just joining us on this issue, will you please give us a brief overview of what's really going on across the country with respect to transgender policies? Sure. This um, Transgender policies aren't unique to Minnesota. In fact, they are. Um, there are battles being fought across the country on this mm-hmm. issue, and they're resulting from the implementation of transgender policies within the schools. Now, many transgender activists are actually trying to force these policies at all levels, starting even at preschool all the way through higher education. And we talked about that a little bit in the last show with the University of Minnesota Mm -hmm. and the issue with pronouns. But what we're seeing is that these policies basically claim that anyone who disagrees with the biological reality of male and female are essentially discriminatory. And people are not, um, these policies don't support the, the premise that Legal protections are based on biological reality and Mm -hmm. biological distinctions, and that's not discriminatory. Mm -hmm. We actually had a case here in our own state in Minnesota a couple years ago where girls were being displaced and forced into a private facility to undress um, in front of a boy who identified as a girl, and that was hugely impactful for Mm -hmm. them. But Mm -hmm. thankfully, because um, the rescinded guidance um, by the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. uh, that case actually um, ended up kind of resolving on its own. Hmm. But yet we're still seeing this. We're seeing it in a case in Pennsylvania, which has been really troubling because the school district um, will not support the rights and the privacy, safety, and dignity of the students at that school. They continue to want to go forth with this transgender policy. Mm -hmm. And Basically ignoring the Trump administration's rescindance. Mm-hmm. rescinding <laughs> of the letter. <laughs> right, right. Still interpreting Title IX to mean something different. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of confusion on this issue where the Supreme Court was going to take up an issue a couple of years ago, a case out of Virginia, Gloucester County. That case went up to the Supreme Court, as you may know. But when the guidance was rescinded, that case got kicked back down. Mm-hmm. And basically there was, you know, procedural gymnastics. And it's my understanding that at this point there is some sort of settlement agreement that is either being worked out or talked about between the school and that student. So, Mm -hmm. again, we don't have the Supreme Court yet weighing in on the merits of these arguments. Mm -hmm. So we have people interpreting to their liking Mm -hmm. or to whatever Mm -hmm. they want to put forth in their schools Mm -hmm. when they say that um, Title IX and other law supports violating the constitutional rights of all students. And that's Mm -hmm. not good policy. Right. We want to hold our schools accountable. They have a duty to protect the privacy, safety, and dignity of all students, and these policies don't Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're going to get to this later, but, I mean, that interpretation of Title IX is just that. It's an interpretation of Title IX. It's not the original intent of Title IX. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an extension. It's a progressive progressive movement of the Title IX. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to think about the implications of those policies. It's, it's, I mean, personally, it just really gets your, gets at your heart when you think about these kids who are being put in vulnerable situations mm-hmm. and, and feeling helpless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. 
Well, Renee, one of the things that goes through my head, and I'm sure Mark's head as well, is how do we even get here? You know, I run a school, mm-hmm. and um, I know that what we focus on at school is, you know, learning your reading and writing and arithmetic. And, you know, when you get a little bit older, learning how to write papers and learning about the Constitution and the freedoms we enjoy here in the U.S. And it seems like this whole new phenomenon um, of ideology or transgender ideology is kind of replacing a lot of the actual learning that is mm-hmm. supposed to be taking place, is, place in schools today. Mm-hmm. Um, what's What do you think that's all coming from? How did we get here? I think before we even look at the, the legal catalyst to some of this, we need to step back and take a look at our own culture. And there is a um, pervasive ideology in our culture about self autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's all about me and what I think, who I say I am, despite what my chromosomes may say, <laughs> despite how I was born. Or despite research. Did you hear about Brown University? I did. Mm-hmm. Brown University just put out a statement saying that their research, um, which showed that there is actually biological um, gender, or that biological gender is actually um, inseparable from actual gender identity, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're disowning their own research. They've got a statement out that says Brown University censors gender dysphoria study of their own doing, mm-hmm. worried that findings might invalidate the perspectives of transgender community. So we're just going to ignore the science right. that our own university discovers mm-hmm. because we're afraid that it's going to invalidate perspectives. In other words, science isn't telling me what I want to believe about myself. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm just going to deny it altogether and right. just go with how I feel. Right. That and is so the... unhealthy for the individuals themselves, too, mm-hmm. that are struggling with this. Right. It, 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 is, yeah. it is dangerous. We're ignoring some of the science that says that, or, or maybe we're ignoring the fact that we don't have science to validate what happens years from now when we're sterilizing right. children or letting 13-year-olds make decisions about who they want to be when they can't even vote. Yeah, they can't even drive. Yes, that's but crazy. they can decide if they're going to be sterilized for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. a dangerous road to go down. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of ideology that then transcends the legal community as well. And the Supreme Court picks up on that. And that's why they take certain cases sometimes and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. So when people say that um, maybe their vote doesn't matter or that what they say and their advocacy doesn't matter, I would say that I completely disagree with that Mm -hmm. because the tone of our culture is going to influence what kind of laws and policies are passed. And, you know, we see that here. A good example is a couple of years ago when we had same-sex marriage, and that became a reality through Obergefell. And after Obergefell, we saw an exponential shift of normalizing mm-hmm. same-sex attraction. And then on the heels of that, we saw these transgender mm-hmm. policies coming forth, and we saw transgender activists who were relentlessly pressing mm-hmm. these policies onto schools. And, and they're not satisfied with... Um, reasonable accommodations, what they want is access to locker rooms, restrooms, and showers because they say that that then validates the core of who they are. That is a reflection of true dignity and true inclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, and legally speaking, you brought up, you don't, you brought up Title IX. Mm-hmm. And Title IX, for your listeners, is um, part of the education amendments created in the 70s mm-hmm. to address some inequality, and particularly right. inequality. Against women. Right. Yes. Inequality, inequality with respect to women. And Title IX prohibits sex discrimination in any program or any activity, but that's written on the basis of sex. And in that, the interpretation was turned on its head Mm -hmm. when the Obama administration came in through aggressive guidance and aggressive policies and said, hey, sex doesn't just mean male and female. Now sex means gender identity. And hey, you schools, 
You need to now implement policies that reflect that. Oh, and if you don't, you're going to lose your federal funding. So schools felt forced to implement policies. They were quite bullied. You could almost call that bullying, couldn't you? They... I guess so. That's, you know, I, think, I mean, you know, do they this really or were, else you're going to lose your funding. There, that there's like there's definitely an, it's not clear. It hasn't been clearly laid out mm-hmm. in the law. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I guess that's what I mean. It's there, a, it's an inter it was an interpretation right. that was forced through guidance. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was an inaccurate interpretation. If you actually look at title IX itself and read it, there's places where it just doesn't grammatically make sense right. that mm-hmm. sex would be in gender identity. In addition to, um, um, just the fact that it was it was created again in the context of the seventies with equality for women. Mm-hmm. So why would you use a law that was created to advance women's opportunities to then take those opportunities away, or even more so, put them in harm's way by making policies that don't protect their privacy rights or their safety? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've really addressed the fact that this has felt like bullying for a lot of schools. Implement or you have your federal funding removed. And we know that the Trump administration Mm -hmm. rescinded the Obama policies back in 2017. So, I mean, wouldn't that change things here at the local level here in Minnesota? I mean, I know with a lot of states, they've kind of given the blind eye to a lot of things that the Trump administration has done and have Mm -hmm. just kind of continued the par for course, if you will, from the previous administration. What's going on here in Minnesota in that respect? Well, certainly, yes, you're accurately, um, the Trump administration did recent guidance, but we have our own specific Minnesota laws. And within our own specific Minnesota laws, gender uh, identity and sexual orientation is actually a protected class under the Minnesota Human Rights Act. Mm. But within that law and those anti-discrimination provisions, what we have are exemptions to that law. And specifically, those exemptions apply to schools and other religious organizations. In fact, the law says that those anti-discrimination provisions, particularly um, with respect to gender orientation and sexual orientation, do not apply to such facilities as restrooms, locker rooms, and showers. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to be asking ourselves, why are we forcing these policies onto schools when the law doesn't require us to do so? And we're forcing people of good faith to violate their own beliefs and observations about sexuality when the law doesn't require them to do that either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. You're listening to AM 1280, The Patriot, and we are talking with Renee Carlson, uh, who is an attorney and um, knowledgeable person on this whole issue that has swept the country um, called tra- transgender rights, really. And, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into this discussion because obviously, as we've said before, we want every child to have an excellent education, and every child has a right to that regardless right. of their gender identity. Right. Um, but we have to consider the rights of the other students as well and just making sure that their privacy is protected. Mm-hmm. And so, the, yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, And mm-hmm. the information that uh, you were just giving us, Renee, that really serves as a great transition into some of the topics as they pertain to the state of Minnesota. Well, specifically, we want to spend really the rest of our time together just talking about the Transgender Toolkit which is formally known as the Toolkit for Ensuring Safe and Supportive Schools for Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Students. And this is just one example here in Minnesota, but probably the leading example 
uh, that strongly advocates and is advancing these policies. And so, you know, and I've had a chance to look at it as well. Mm -hmm. And what it really says at the beginning in the introduction is that in 2014, an increasing number of school and school district administrators and staff members, students and families had contacted the Minnesota Department of Education, as well as the School Safety Technical Assistance Center, seeking technical assistance on how to ensure the supportive and inclusive environments for all students, including transgender and gender nonconforming students. But before we discuss the specifics, would you explain for our listeners how this toolkit was created? How did we progress from school boards Mm -hmm. determining and implementing school policies Mm -hmm. to a forced hand from the Department of Education? Mm Oh, okay. I'm going to do my, do my, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to do my best with this one. So let's go back to the Minnesota Department of Education. And they were receiving requests with regard to how schools should be um, assisting transgender students and accommodating them. And I'm sure that you both would agree that it's important to talk about the rights of all students. Yes. yes. And to yes. be respectful of all earlier. students. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No matter who they are. But we need to be respectful of all students' needs. And these transgender policies certainly don't do that. And actually, back in 2014, uh, you may have heard of the bullying prevention bill, and that was passed. And what happened is, is that's a statute where the Minnesota Department of Education was directed to actually establish that safety school and tech or school safety and technical assistance council. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Still. And I've been saying it for a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) The center was conducted basically by a committee called the School Safety and Technical Assistance Council. So um, their job was essentially to establish model anti-bullying policies for the state, to review district anti-bullying policies, and to set up a system for receiving complaints about bullying. So here we have, just think about it, an unelected group of people, a committee, who are making some very significant policies for the state of Minnesota. And they are the ones who actually... um, then created the toolkit. And they did it with the assistance of, they say, quote, drafters. And we still, you know, do not know exactly who all of those drafters are. Now, I can speculate, and yes, I am assuming that there were a lot of transgender activists involved in this in some regard. And I'm making that assumption because when I read the plain language, that's the group that this toolkit is designed to support. It does not read as a as guidance to support the privacy and safety of all students. Mm-hmm. So essentially what happened is, you know, after this toolkit was drafted, there's a public hearing because that's how things are supposed to happen in the context of our laws. So essentially we have the Minnesota Department of Education end up creating the toolkit through the Safety School and Technical Assistance Council. And now we have these policies that I think operate as, you know, de facto laws. Mm -hmm. And that's not the, that is not the job of a state agency. That's the job of lawmakers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the other thing that's problematic, and I think that Rebecca, as a school administrator, you could appreciate this, Mm -hmm. is that this is presented as mere guidance. But yet the way that it is written, the references, the site, the Oh, there's tons of legal citations in it. Mm-hmm. There's links to the National Education Association and others who teachers have great respect for. When you see that, I mean, wouldn't you think that this isn't just, you know, some An casual option. guidance? Mm-hmm. This is something that I have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's concerning because now we have the Department of Education throwing a heavy hand in here, encouraging these policies that don't protect the rights of all students. And we should be encouraging committees And the Department of Education itself should be encouraging committees to create policies that are designed for all students, Mm -hmm. not just a small group. Right. 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 Oh, absolutely. 
You know, Renee, there's so much to think about here. Let's try to break this down and talk about some of the specific recommendations in this toolkit. Um, privacy is one of the most significant and probably most mm-hmm. talked about concerns on this issue and in this document. And on the issue of privacy, here's what the toolkit states. Okay. It states, schools should work with transgender and gender nonconforming students to ensure that they are able to, ac- to access needed facilities in a manner that is safe, consistent with their gender identity, and does not stigmatize them. Privacy objections raised by a student in interacting with a transgender or gender nonconforming student may be addressed by segregating segregating the student raising the objection. I see what you mean by this, right? right? Provided that the action of the school officials does not result in stigmatizing the mm-hmm. transgender and gender nonconforming student. Yeah, there really is just one group of students that they seem to be concerned about here. Mm-hmm. Um, it then goes on to say, if students are to be separated based on gender when traveling for athletic, educational, or cultural activities, school officials, school officials should allow a transgender or gender nonconforming student the opportunity to room with peers who match the student's gender identity. Mm -hmm. This is for athletic, educational, or cultural activities, unless the transgender or gender nonconforming student requests otherwise. At times, this is the only exception they make for other students, at times any student may have specific needs for privacy, and the school can make arrangements based on the student's wishes. And we're talking here about restrooms, locker rooms, showers, and even hotel rooms. And, you know, one of the things that I think about is if they said at times any students may have specific needs for privacy, um, what happens if it's like the whole rest of the team that says, hey, I'm right. concerned about my privacy? What are they going to do then? You should ask the Department of Education. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they That's kind of question. put that in there like they said, they, like, almost like they had to. But from a pure practical standpoint, it's impossible to do both. Maybe to do you what can position saying. yourself to be a stakeholder in these drafts. Yes, there we go. I, maybe you I are in education. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, what do you what are your thoughts on this, Renee? I mean, clearly you're right that this does seem to have been written for a specific group of students, um, not all students' privacies. Mm-hmm. There's this this misconception that the only means to an inclusive environment is that you have to allow students access to facilities based on gender identity rather than sex. And that's just simply not the case. And more so, Title IX shouldn't be interpreted to mean that women and girls no longer have a right to privacy in these facilities Mm -hmm. where they're undressing and they're in a a very vulnerable place. I mean, Mm -hmm. take yourself back to junior high, maybe maybe only for five seconds because I don't know if anyone wants to go back (laughs) to that awkward stage. But, you know, really, if you put yourself in that place and you think, Wow, common sense. No wonder why we have these distinctions and these mm-hmm. these places mm-hmm. separations. Separations mm-hmm. made on these distinctions and that's what Title IX that's that's what Title IX says. It actually specifically states schools can maintain separate facilities for different sexes and doing so based on biological sex again isn't illegal and it isn't discriminatory. Again, we're dealing with this radical redefinition of the word sex, which is based on the previous administration's guidance. And government agencies, courts, and even committees cannot simply define a word or Mm -hmm. latch on to the definition that they prefer because that achieves their desired outcome. With respect to privacy, feelings of perceived gender do not override the right to privacy. Mm -hmm. And one's constitutional right to privacy is not defined out of existence by what someone feels they are or who somebody says they are. 
and it doesn't go away based on somebody's good intentions. Right. That's the other part. A lot of people say, well, you know, a boy just wants to go in there because that's that's how uh, he most identifies and he feels validated. Mm-hmm. But even if he's only going in there for the purpose, for that sole purpose, and he does not have a bad intention, the law doesn't state that those intentions then eviscerate a woman's right to privacy. Mm-hmm. And these policies support support that contention mm-hmm. when that's not the truth. That's not the legal reality. So sadly, we need to keep reminding these schools that sex and gender identity are not the same thing. Sex means something different than gender identity. And sex refers to the innate differences of male and female, while gender identity is actually undefined under U.S. law. And a clear definition of sex, which I wish this policy had, ensures equal opportunity for women and girls. And it also encourages schools to keep promoting um, privacies that ensure safety and dignity for all students. You know, schools have a duty to do that. And this policy doesn't help them enforce that duty. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm. interesting. Well, you know, I remember a few years ago, and, and Renee, we are running out of time, by okay. the way. We just have about four minutes left. And um, I just want to talk briefly about what happened at the Minnesota State High School League a number of years ago. Actually, mm-hmm. I think in 2014, mm-hmm. um, they adopted a transgender policy that allows for boys who identify as girls to play on the team that corresponds to their gender identity. And the toolkit supports that policy and states, again, this whole reinterpretation of Title IX by the Obama administration mm-hmm. says that Title IX requires a school provide transgender students with the right to participate in such activities, including athletics, in a manner consistent with their gender identity. Um, but isn't that last piece, again, something that really isn't part of the original Title IX legislation? Mm-hmm. If we go back to Title IX, we can see a lot about, you know, the legislative intent and equal opportunity for women. Yeah. I mean, this law was designed to provide equal opportunity for women. And so the very law that was designed to help them and in these athletic pursuits as well in mm-hmm. the academic context is being used against them. I mean, women have lost sports opportunities. They've lost scholarships. It's significantly impactful. But actually, if we even go back and look at the Minnesota statutes, you would see that girls are allowed to play on a boys' team mm-hmm. if there's no team for girls. Right. And that's been the case for a long time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And boys cannot play on a girls' team. Mm-hmm. And rightly so, because the physicality of yes. sports demands that teams be separated by sex. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just common sense. Mm-hmm. If you go back and read the statutes, the statutes reflect that common sense. Right. So teams are actually based on a gen- on um, biological sex. They're not meant to be based in Minnesota on gender identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, when I think back to my childhood, and um, I, I was raised in schools in the 70s when Title IX became a thing, um, the, the big push at that time was protection for women. Mm-hmm. And it seems that we are kind of discarding as a culture 2,000 years of agreed-upon tradition mm-hmm. and understanding of the biological sex of, of male and female. Mm-hmm. And even current research today is supporting that. Mm-hmm. And yet it's being discarded so that um, a handful, I think the number of people who struggle with uh, identity, gender identity issues, um, 
It's a very small number, and yet we're going to turn this tradition upside down on the basis of no science. Mm. So it's pretty pretty interesting. And I know that as we're running out of time here, we're going to be bringing Renee back on again next week to continue this conversation. Right. And we talked earlier about the majority having to raise the objection. So right. So how are schools going to do it? Deal yeah. With that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing to remember, too, um, is that although this topic is certainly raises a lot of passions on both sides, mm-hmm. we can present it in a reasonable manner. We can present it with good facts, common sense, and and, and to be respectful. You know, if you want to do service for this issue and you want to raise awareness and advocate for the privacy and safety of all students, then certainly speak about this issue. But do it in a way that's respectful. Yep. And Absolutely. people will listen. Respectful of all of students. Of all students. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And, and, and do it in a tone and a manner that's not confrontational, right. but right. just simply educational. Yep, absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Renee, and I hope that our listeners decide to join us again next week on Education Nation, 6 p.m. a.m. 1280. We will have Renee back, and we will continue this conversation, and it's very pertinent, so we hope that you'll join us again. And you can check out our podcasts at ednationmn, ednationmn.com, and you can also find us on Facebook as well. So hope to have you joining us again next Saturday. Thanks. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.